Welcome to the Agile Podcast and I'm your host Shailendra Malik bringing you the only podcast coming from the red hot dot Singapore which covers agile methodologies and business agility as a whole. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Breakers and Pocket Casts. Look for the Agile Podcast and here we start with our new episode. Hi and welcome to the new episode of the Agile podcast. It's very rare that we come across people with very very varied backgrounds and in a very different way they experience agile as compared to the regular technology projects. I've been lucky enough to being given an opportunity to attend the Agility Business Consortium's organized conference in London and I came across a very inspiring story by one of our speakers Amir. I would love to have Amir on this particular channel and discuss the story he shared with all of us because i knew that this story must be heard with a wider audience welcome amir to the session thank you very much thank you very much for having me right before we start um i would love to know what is your background and what's your journey till now sure thing so first of all my full name is amir el kabir and uh, i'm from israel and i'm based out in tel aviv i am currently a program manager at at&t in the Israeli site of AT&T. I've been working there for the last three years, more or less, and we have a variety of uh, uh, projects and a portfolio of programs over there, and I'm specifically related to the entertainment and advertising business unit. But I didn't start my journey at AT&T, so I'm starting from an engineering background where I studied engineering in the university. I was then working a few years in the semiconductors industry and then a few more years in the fintech industry working in a fintech company with banks as my primary uh, clients and then I worked at AT&T and I started working in the uh, advertising entertainment and communication industry so it's been a long journey uh, throughout my career somewhere in the middle I was uh, uh, studying I was doing my MBA when I wanted to start shifting my career uh, from an engineering-focused career to a bit more project management. So I remember the good old days when we worked in a waterfall. We thought it was the good old days. We worked in waterfall uh, and kind of traditional project management. And uh, more or less during the five-plus years, uh, uh, last five years, six years, is when I was uh, exposed to Agile, working in Agile, and lately Agile at scale. Wow, perfect. So from semiconductors to fintech to now AT&T, it's been a journey with a lot of turns. I want to know what was the challenge that you were primarily facing in AT&T as well as other organizations which, um, which you felt that Agile is the better way of doing things because you started by saying good old days of waterfall mm-hmm. and then you said you thought it was good old, good old days. Uh, I believe Agile transformation or Agile journey showed you something very special. So what was that? Absolutely. So I- I'll talk from the project management perspective because that that's what I was in the waterfall days. So why did I think it was the good old days, by the way? is because a project manager had a lot of power. Let's call it like that. You know, project manager was working, was the primary liaison uh, between the organization to the client. 
the project manager would uh, stamp his uh, fist on the table, say exactly what he wanted from the development teams, and everybody needed to go and do that work and come back with the results. And so for a project manager, that was, uh, that was given a lot of power. But for the good and for the bad, because why the bad? So today we know that the project managers do not really always know what exactly the development teams are challenging with. And on the other hand, the client doesn't really know all the time what he needs. He may know what he wants all the time, but not what he needs all the time. And so moving into Agile, and I'm working with delivery and development teams today as well as a project manager, I can see that involving the whole team in the entire process, having them face the clients as well, is a very good thing because you can uh, um, understand and explain to the client sometimes what he needs rather than what he wants. The development teams uh, do not need uh, someone in between in order to understand the requirements. Things go faster, things go better, and there are fewer iterations till you get it right. You get it right the first time or the second time, but not in the 20th time, which was what happened earlier. That's the biggest change that I see as a project manager. So risk of failure was high during the good old days of waterfall, which you see getting reduced and that risk coming under control under Agile. Absolutely. And, and further than that, uh, because in the, back then when we were project managers in the waterfall, we thought everything was good all along the way until we reached the end and then we saw, man, we didn't hit the target. Right, so it was a risk of failure that we didn't even see just until the end. Right now, we can like all this inspect and adapt, all of these end of sprint demos, they all have a purpose. And the purpose is to fine tune your direction all the time. And, and so that eventually you can hit the target. In the story that you shared with us during the conference, um, it was more focused on following the sun and conquering the sun. It, it was a very inspiring um, story because everyone who has worked in a uh, a diverse team as well as geographically split team, they face the issue of working on different time zones, working on different um, hours, syncing up with teams um, or their team members in the other side of the globe is always a challenge. And AT&T is a big organization spread across uh, multiple locations, as you mentioned. I would, I would like you to share with the audiences that what was the real challenge that was coming in and, and what it took to solve that. Sure, sure thing. So... You know, our world is shrinking in the sense that we now reach more areas around the world with technology, with flights, with whatever. Uh, teams are getting uh, dispersed more and more. Um, so I'll answer this question from a very personal uh, perspective, a very human perspective. Let's call it like that. So a first challenge is obviously the time zone challenge. But, but what does that mean? It means that when my colleague steps into his office, it's 8 a.m. or 9 a.m., his time or her time, all geared up to start their working day, all enthusiastic to get problems solved. But I'm having dinner with my daughter, and she's telling me about how it went at school right now. And all of a sudden, I need to jump on a call and solve these problems and whatever. So we, un 
we take ownership and we take accountability but what, for what we need to do. But to make that our life routine is a different thing. We do not want to do that. Moreover, we do not want that to be the life routine of our entire teams. So we have to solve that somehow. So that's one challenge. Another challenge, and this, is, uh, uh, this comment is now going for all the developers and testers and, and you techies out there. Um, when people code on the exact same code lines in the exact same areas, um, sometimes there are people that are uh, uh, writing on the, uh, the, you know, on the same areas. Now, when you are next to someone, you can talk to him or her and you can uh, 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 cooperate. But if you start writing a code line and the person after you is continuing you, but he is on the other side of the world at, at a different shift, then you start amending each other's code, you start erasing each other's code, you may duplicate each other's work. That is a very big challenge to synchronize <clears throat> that follow the sun coding. A third challenge that we had, uh, and, and I can bring along from many different workplaces, is that the tools teams, the DevOps support, the environment support, all the infrastructure is being led and managed from overseas. So imagine you now have an issue with your CICD pipeline or something happened to your environment and your environment is down. What do you do? Do you wait 10 time zones until somebody fixes it for you? What do you do in the meantime? Uh, and the fourth challenge is obviously communication, so I left it to the end because it's kind of the most obvious, right? Everybody understands to communicate uh, long distance is, is uh, uh, difficult. The cultural chain, uh, the cultural differences don't make it any easier. So that's the fourth. Um, so these are the main challenges. Right, and uh, covering and conquering each one of them is a story in itself. But I would like you to summarize for us from where to where the journey took you? Sure thing, okay. So it started, we took the treatment of these challenges as a project at its, at it, by its own, a full project by itself. Now you don't need to have everybody involved, but you need to pick a few individuals that are interested uh, in a, a multicultural communication, in a cross-cultural and a cross-border collaboration, and you need to, to fix that together. We mapped and then we treated those key areas, and then we modeled that. Once we had the model, we can copy it to the rest of our projects, which is exactly what we did. We, we identified those key areas. The key areas that we defined for ourselves were to unite our ceremonies, with everybody abroad and, and kind of uh, uh, define which ones we want to run locally, which globally, which are going to be run over the phone, which over WebEx, which are going to be meetings face-to-face. -face. We created a very detailed, it is that level of detail that you need to get into with defining your engagement model. And we had a matrix with all of those details that I've just explained. Uh, and we've modeled that. So once everybody agreed, at one day, everybody canceled all of their synchronization meetings 
and reschedule them according to the metrics we, have, we agreed. Uh, so that goes for the ceremonies. The next thing that we did uh, is we treated our uh, backlog management. So we want our teams to have full ownership of the, what they code, of what they deliver, all the way into production and into production itself. That requires a dialogue with product management. Why? Because product management usually want what's most important for the client to be taken up by the team first. So it goes about rankings, right? You take what's on the top of the pile of your backlog, assign that to the teams. But if the team cannot support that later on in production, what do you do then? Then we have factored in also this sense of ownership factor into the backlog management and how you assign that to the teams. We have, of course, dealt with the communication. So we have enhanced our communication uh, uh, systems to be uh, much more vis visualized systems, like a, uh, video, video conferencing. We, you need to obtain budget for that from your management, by the way. It takes a lot of budget to invest in such video uh, conferencing systems. Our management understood that. You need to convince. Uh, you need to explain that the alternative is not to, not to spend the money, but it's to spend it on flight tickets. So they need to choose where they want to spend their money. And our uh, uh, management fully understood that and invested in, in, in video conferencing. Today, in our AT&T site at Israel, 15 of our meetings, meeting rooms are equipped with video conferencing systems to allow and encourage our people to jump on ad hoc face-to-face -face meetings whenever they want. So this is how we tackle that. And if I can give a few, so rather than going into additional, you know, uh, uh, high level areas, I want to give like a, a few very, very concrete tips mm -hmm. to everyone listening. Something they can drop off this podcast and go right ahead and implement. Number one, and I'm saying this from experience, something that works is to initiate something that we call the BFF list. Mm -hmm. uh, something, uh, BFF as in best friends forever. As a remote site and as remote teams, uh, we need to reach out uh, to our counterparts abroad much more. It is our obligation. We need to be proactive about that. So what we did is we have created the list of all the people that we want to engage with, need to engage with, need to keep close to us, and uh, we have assigned BFFs to them. So if I had several program managers as uh, my BFF, the POs had BFFs and the architects and so on, and I made sure that I had their personal phone number on my speed dial and that we feel very comfortable calling each other at Saturday nights, Sunday early mornings, whenever something happened, and we need to uh, reach each other. It uh, uh, bonds together the people, it creates these uh, personal relations, and the most important thing that it does, it de-escalates, because you can kill issues at the very early stages if you have a very quick uh, uh, route to someone and vice versa. So this is uh, something that's uh, uh, very good and very important to implement that, that I, I would suggest uh, to take forward. A second quick win that I want to, to uh, um, advise, 
So I will go to a different uh, area. That was the communication area. I'll go to the techie area now. Is to conduct mutual code reviews between developers, between sites for every commit. So for example, if a developer writes a certain code and he wants to commit that into his branch, whatever that branch is, okay? Uh, it can be dev, integration, whatever that production, whatever that is. Uh, there is another developer that will conduct a code review for that. But that other developer should not be the one sitting on the chair next to him. It should be the one sitting across the ocean. So what does that do? It enhances the trust between the, de the developers. And you will find out that the developers now will not, no longer amend each other's work or erase each other's work. To the contrary, they will approve each other's work and consult with one another. It creates so much engagement, and it's so good. Uh, we are very disciplined about doing that, and I suggest uh, that uh, the listeners uh, apply that as well. Yeah, I believe uh, what it adds as well is it exposes the coding style of one developer with another so that um, in future they can sync up in their even coding styles as well because every developer codes in a different way. They have slightly different preferences of um, using certain constructs or, or you, and doing it their way. And when a code review is done by somebody who is not assisted by this person, and it is a purely independent code review, they start to understand from which angle the other developer is coming from. So um, I believe it's a, it's a fantastic takeaway. Um, anything more that um, users can take away from this? Well, uh, I would say this. Uh, in the context of working remotely uh, um, and with dispersed teams, with big multicultural uh, round-the-globe type of programs. Uh, sometimes we do not have a choice but to work that way. Again, the world is globalized right now. We have big corporations. Uh, you want to leverage experienced talents abroad, right? You, you want to be able to do that and not, not, not be just chained away to the people that and to the folks that are with you in the office. So there are ways to do that today. There are possibilities. We did that. I can say we turned the disadvantage into an advantage in a very good way. Uh, we're not fully in there. There's always something to improve, and the world keeps changing, and we keep changing and adapting and learning and implementing. But there are ways to do that. It doesn't have to be co-located all the time. There is a way to, to work remotely in a fairly effective manner. Well said. I, I couldn't have put it even better myself. Um, it was great having this discussion with you. Thanks for sharing your ideas and thoughts. It was lovely listening to you on the conference as well um, with, with all those presentation slides and everything. Uh, I would love to collaborate with you again, and we would hope that you will come back to this podcast again in future. Thank you so much, Amir. Thanks for giving your time. Thank you.